Brad, you look overworked. We haven't done a podcast in weeks. Is something going on? You know how I'm an amateur volcanologist, right? Of course. The readings I'm getting from here, in Los Angeles, California, are spiking all over the place. And? Come on, Chris. You've seen enough movies to know that if the readings are spiking, something terrible is about to happen. Brad, would you just forget about volcanoes for once and go on vacation with me to Dante's Peak? (sighs) Maybe you're right. I could use to get out of town for a few days. Mrs. Mayor. But I'm about to go on vacation. My God, I knew it. I was just telling Chris, uh huh. We'll be right there. What is it? We're making that vacation a staycation. But we're also going to do a lot of work. We? From Los Angeles, California, it's High on Film! Tonight, we've got Regina Connolly and Dante's Peak. Do you like eggplant parmesan? On tonight's episode. Welcome to another exciting episode of High on Film, sobering talk about movies. I'm Chris Maxwell, your host, and we've got an explosive double feature erupting over the next two weeks. We're back with our grand experiment, comparing and contrasting fraternal twin films. Two films released within a year of each other, covering strikingly similar plot details. Go listen to our previous episodes on uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact if you need further examples. Or think of maybe uh, Olympus Has Fallen and White House Down or Ants and Bugs Life, which we'll never do because of Woody Allen's terrible monstrosity personality. But here today we are looking at, as I said, an explosive double feature from the year of our Lord, 1997. Two films about volcano eruptions. Next week, we'll cover everyone's favorite Los Angeles uh, disaster film, Volcano. But this week, today, we're starting with the first one released, February 7th, 1997. It's Dante's Peak, directed by Roger Donaldson uh, of Cocktail, Species, and the Bounty fame. Written by Leslie Bohem of uh, other disaster movie, Daylight fame, as well as Taken, the Alien TV series, not the Liam Neeson revenge thrillers. And, uh, of course, the timeless Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. He was the screenplay writer there as well. Now that we got that out of the way, let me introduce to you the man who's right to my left, the co-host from the couch, the podcaster of disaster, and the Brad Davis that God gave us, my co-host and friend, it's Brad Davis. Hi, Chris. Hey, Brad. How's it going, buddy? It's going well. How are you? Oh, man. I couldn't be happier to do this. You know, for years, for years of this podcast, we we just salivated over doing Fraternal Twin films. And now here we are doing our second Fraternal Twin double feature. Uh, yes, it is a dream come true for both of us. Um, 
<laughs> no, uh, in all seriousness, we we've always like talked about these kind of movies, the ones that are like released the same year that are basically the same film. Uh, and it's always fun to compare and contrast. So I, I'm very happy we started this tradition. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think I saw at least Armageddon in theaters. I don't know if I saw Deep Impact in theaters, our previous Fraternal Twin pairing. I'm almost positive I saw both of the movies we're covering over the next two weeks here in theaters. I have vivid memories of that. Uh, how about you? you you've, you've seen both of these before? Yes, I've seen both. I've seen Dante's Peak a couple times, and I did see it in theaters. Uh, Volcano, I've seen. I've probably seen Dante's Peak three or four times. Whoa. I've seen Volcano twice. Oh man, okay, I had no idea. Uh, neither, neither of which were in theaters. Okay, or one or two. Like it's one of the like I've seen it once all the way through, and then one other time where I probably caught like the last I don't know two thirds on cable or something one night. I had no idea you were such a explosion enthusiast when it comes to volcanoes. I, I, I'm only an explosion enthusiast when it comes to volcanoes. Nothing else. Nothing else. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think as Linda Hamilton was in this movie is probably why I was drawn to go see this in theaters mm. is my guess. And, you know, Pierce Brosnan at this point had already been, James Bond, right? Yeah, I think Golden Eyes out at this point. Golden Eyes like ninety five, yeah. I believe. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I think so, we're in Tomorrow Never Dies territory. Sounds right. So, like those two at that point were pretty, uh, pretty must see actors for me to watch. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I was enthusiastic about both of them. Uh, what ninety seven? I'm in seventh eighth grade. A disaster film. Perfect. Let's go. But back to the podcast. Uh, I assume listeners. You've heard this show before, so of course you know that every episode features a guest, and this week is, of course, no different. For the next two weeks, this and next week, we will have a longtime friend of the podcast and host of a few of my personal favorite shows, Regina Connolly is here from the Theranathon and the Keanu Review. Welcome back, Regina. Hello, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's nice to be here. Oh, I'm so a... glad that there's no uh, disaster uh, around any of us right now. I know, right? What a natural what a disaster treat for the last two years or so. <laughs> it's true, Regina. So happy to have you on, and so glad you're here to talk to us, talk to us, talk with us, talk at us about these two wonderful volcano films. Let's start with Dante's Peak. Have you ever seen it before? Yes. So um, I'm a, a big, big is an understatement, but but that's the word I'm going to go for, a Terminator 2 fan. As evidenced by your previous High on Film episode. Yes, uh, for, for people who are longtime listeners would know. So this had Linda Hamilton in it. So Dante's Peak, I 100% saw. Not for Pierce Brosnan, but uh, for Linda Hamilton reasons. I remember seeing it. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. Uh, it definitely scared the hell out of me. I was like waiting for the great like volcano disaster to come. But I did not see Volcano until recently. So, In Pennsylvania, you were waiting for the Volcano disaster? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. <laughs> As a child of the 90s, I'm like, I saw all these movies that was like, the earth is coming for you. Um, and I was waiting. And now it's kind of like, well, maybe you weren't wrong. True. Just a little delayed. Just, Just a, a little, little delayed. delayed. <laughs> like Dante's Peak, it was like, we're lulled for a bit, but those microquakes... <laughs> They're coming back. They're coming. Yeah. They're coming. Volcanoes were the one thing I was never afraid of as a child growing up in Pennsylvania. 
Um, and well, why is that, Chris? Well, well, Brad, due to the lack of volcanic activity in the area, usually. Ah. Uh, uh, but sure, now, and, and I'm, as we'll confront next week, I used to live right next to one of the, the main sites of a dormant volcano. We'll talk about that in Volcano, the movie Volcano, where it's at La Brea Tar Pits. <laughs> Neither here nor there. We're talking about Dante's Peak. The first one released, Pierce Brosnan, Linda Hamilton. If you don't know this movie, or if maybe you saw it, you need a quick refresher, we've prepared a quick little trailer for you, and it goes a little something like this. In a world where 20,000 people have decided that living at the base of a volcano is a good idea. Yeah, just like Pompeii. Linda Hamilton plays Rachel Wando, the mayor of an idyllic town nestled in the forest foothills of the dormant disaster. Dante's Peak was just named the best, well, the second best place to live in the United States, population under 20,000. But when a team of volcanologists receive suspicious readings, they'll send in their best, even though he's on vacation. Harry, going on vacation isn't gonna kill you. Pierce Brosnan is Harry Dalton. A volcano killed his one true love, and he'll never forget it. I've always been better at figuring out volcanoes than people in politics. After tectonic tremors, massive wildlife deaths, and discovering two teenagers boiled alive, Harry's boss is still not convinced of the threat. This mountain's a ticking bomb. I'm not going to have one of my people scaring the hell out of everybody because of guesswork and hunches. But of course, the volcano erupts and the town explodes in panic. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain calm. Please just stay Flowing lava, an acid lake, and the bridges out, all culminating in a crushing finale. What's that, Harry? Recipe for frog soup? It's my recipe for disaster. Universal Pictures presents The Deep Impact of Volcano Movies. I thought this was supposed to be an extinct volcano. Uh, not extinct, just dormant. Pierce Brosnan, Linda Hamilton, Charles Hallahan, and George Clooney's best friend, Grant Heslov. Hello, Harry. This time just might be worth saving. Dante's Peak. Sometimes couples sneak up here for a hot dip and some hot nookie. Exploding soon. I expect apologies and six packs from each one of you. I mean, I want to throw out there that the La Brea Tarpets, all I know about them, I learned from my girl too. So, like, great disasters have already happened there because he lost her mood ring in the Tarpets, and that was very upsetting. Uh, Thomas oh J. gave God. her that ring. That happened in the La Brea Tar Pits in that movie? I think so. I mean, I have not watched it since oh. I was a child, but... I mean, I, I've seen that movie, and I just, like, never put that together, but that's hilarious if that's true. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Mm. But that's really funny. You mean Austin, whatever his name is. What yeah, was, the not-as-good one. Austin O'Brien, I want to say his name wow. was. I, if, I, if that's right, I'm going to be very proud of that. I'll check that at some other point. All right. Well, anyway, that was the trailer for Dante's Peak. Uh, I'll have to revisit My Girl 2 myself. I don't know if I ever saw My Girl 2 starring Mr. Austin O'Brien. Maybe. <laughs> um, oh, My Girl 2 is pretty good, actually. Okay, really? Pretty good. From what I remember, that's not saying. 100% less bees? 
One hundred percent. That was the tagline, yes. actually. Yes, that was. They were like the coffins this time, <laughs> full sized. How are we gonna lure them back? Everyone has the their glasses. <laughs> All right. Guys. His name. His name is Austin O'Brien. I was right. Good. Congratulations. I'm and yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> no correct response. Perfectly correct response, Regina. Well, guys, it's time for the first game of the podcast. It's time for Trash Star Destroy. And now it's time for Trash. Star. Destroy. I just feel like if all those sound effects are happening in the same world that like Tinkerbell just got machine gunned. <laughs> like, if that's one world, that's a lot happening. I've never thought of it that way. That is so funny. Captain Hook, uh, funded by the same government as funds our local police departments, and he's just been <laughs> arming up. He's got he's got machine guns and tanks now. All right, guys, uh, that's that's the theme song for Trash Star Destroy, and we're about to play it now. This is the beginning. We're going to give you three movies of a similar ilk, and we're going to ask you to make the hard decisions. One movie you must trash, which means it's eliminated from existence. One movie you get the star in, which means you can take whatever role satisfies your fragile actor ego heart. And then the third movie then must be destroyed, which means the only version of that film that has ever existed has both been written and directed by Michael Bay of Bad Boys fame. Yes. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one, Brad. <laughs> so, uh, of course, Regina is a huge fan of Linda Hamilton. So let's do a Linda Hamilton category. Let's call it Bad Things Happen to Linda Hamilton. <laughs> We'll do the very first in her big franchise, The Terminator. We'll do the movie we just watched, Dante's Peak. And we'll do the rarely seen King Kong Lives. Trash Star Destroy, Terminator, Dante's Peak, King Kong Lives. And let me just make one note here. King Kong Lives uh, is a direct sequel to the original King Kong made in the 80s, starring Linda Hamilton. And it picks up right where King Kong leaves off. He has just fallen from the Empire State Building, and now a team of scientists are giving King Kong a heart transplant. It is available nowhere. It was critically, universally panned. I, all I want to do is see this movie, so I'm putting it in this category to hopefully maybe get the word out, and we can find a copy somewhere. I've seen the first scene, dubbed in Japanese, so I couldn't understand a word of what was going on. But it looked awesome. They were in a basement giving King Kong a heart transplant. So please, if you know somebody with a print of King Kong lives. Wait. Who's direct heart? it to your boy. Whose heart? Godzilla? Uh, oh, was it a Godzilla I, heart? It, they were, it was all in Japanese what I saw. So it did, I couldn't tell. I, mean, I don't know. I feel like you'd understand Godzilla if Japanese if, if it was in Japanese because it is. Um <laughs> It's true, but it was it's a King Kong movie, you see. It was, fair, a, it was fair, an American-made movie. You could Wikipedia it, I'm sure. Maybe. But who was What if it was just like movie? a normal pig heart? It was just this very tiny heart and a giant monkey. That's Sorry. Cool. <laughs> Maybe it's like Untaped Heart and it's a baboon heart. Could be. Yeah. All right. Uh, Terminator, Dante's Peak, King Kong Lives, Trash Star Destroy, Brad Davis. What are you doing here? I think the move is to star in Terminator and play 
John Connor's father. I can't think of his name. Reese. Uh, it's Reese. Reese. His name is Reese. Reese. Kyle, Kyle Reese, yes. Um, but the actor Michael Bain? Bean? Like B-E-B-I-E-H-N, I think is his name. Um, Bain. Yeah, B-A. Uh, I'll take his role. I mean, you're, you know, to be kind of the catalyst for the rest of the franchise is good deal. And Linda Hamilton, I mean, you know, it's all a good deal. Um, and to be in a Terminator movie is pretty, pretty damn cool. But you're not coming back. You don't come back. That's all right. I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm not coming back in either of the other movies either, I don't think. So then, um, I'm, this is actually a tough call. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think I'm going to trash Dante's Peak because I actually think if Michael Bay makes Dante's Peak, it's worse. And I'm kind of interested to see what Michael Bay would do with a King Kong movie. Sequel. I mean, even better, honestly. Like, somebody's maybe set a little bit of a path for him, so he can't just come up with it all himself. That's a good thing. Box him in. We always want to box him in. So, yeah, I'm going to trash Dante's Peak, and I'm going to give Michael Bay King Kong lives. All right. Regina, what are you doing with this uh, conundrum? All right, well, I'm ready to reveal a number of things that might be surprising. Number one, I have only seen the first Terminator one time. Um, So it's hard for me to know what role may or may not be good in that movie. And King Kong lives, so I'd never heard of it before. And obviously, I've never seen it because I just learned that you can't. I I don't like big monster movies. I just don't care. The only one that I've successfully sat through is uh, Mighty Joe Young, and it's because Charlize Theron is in it. And, and that's even a little different in yeah. ways from what I remember. Yeah, it's not really like, it's not a disaster movie. It's just a giant animal movie. Right. But uh, in the trailer it's like alone. like Born to be Wild. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. They said female like four times. And then in big red letters, it just said, he's not happy. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm okay with this movie never being seen. It, it's fine. So uh, I'm going to trash uh, King Kong Lives. And I was torn because, like, I just saw Dante's Peak, and I think the role that I would play if I were going to go this route would be the nosy neighbor who's like, so you two are banging, huh? Because, like, she's funny, and there's not a lot of funny roles in uh, Dante's Peak. Mm -hmm. But if I do that, I don't think that if um, Michael Bay makes Terminator that we would get Terminator 2, and that's important to me. So I'm going to give Michael Bay Dante's Peak. And I honestly have no idea who I would be in Terminator because obviously I'm not going to touch the perfection that is Lyndall Hamilton's performance. Um, So I'm going to be like one of her 80s friends who's like, I don't know, just all tricked out in 80s gear and I'll just have a bit part and that'll be enough for me. I would love to see you in Schwarzenegger's role. (laughs) I don't think it would be the franchise it is today. I would like very early. I would apologize a lot and be like, I'm so sorry I have to kill you. There would be less of an intimidation factor for sure, but yeah. that would that would be fun. That'd I be mean, fun. honestly, I'd probably get closer to her because like people would not suspect that this like clumsy brunette coming along is going to kill the savior of humanity's mom. Yeah, you're a much better Terminator for Terminator Two, though, where he gets to be nice and hang out with, yeah. with John Connor. That's true. Learn Learning what a thumbs up is and slang. Yeah, and why people cry. <laughs> and why people cry, of course. Yeah. Gotta know that. Although um, I think the if I were in the biker bar scene, like that would be the end of the movie because I'd like walk in and I'd be like, I need clothes, and then I would die, even though I was a robot. Come on, you'd be you'd be robotic strong. You could that's kill true, the bikers true. just like yeah. just like Arnold. 
Uh, Brad, I think you do have the right answer. I think the right answer for me is also starring in Terminator as Kyle Reese. It would be fun to be in Dante's Peak as maybe Grant Heslov, because I think he's pretty terrible in this. Who's <laughs> uh, He's the guy who loves coffee on the team. Oh, that's his personality, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He's he's like George Clooney's best friend. Oh, okay. Yeah, and producing partner. Uh, so maybe I'll take that, but I, I gotta be Kyle Reese. Are, are you only taking that role because you think that be, means you're gonna be Clooney's best friend? Come on, the prankster Clooney? I gotta be I his don't best think that, friend. That'd be so fun. I, I don't think that translate that. Does that translate that I, way? I don't know when they met, so it depends, I guess. Did Got they meet okay. on when Heslov was in Dante's Peak? And he was hanging out. Probably. Pierce Brosnan was like. Clooney was a PA on the movie. Yeah, that's what it was. For sure. Yep. It's got to be yeah. it. He was only in a hundred television pilots before that, but then he went to be a PA again. Hey, sometimes you got to work your way back up. Yeah. And of course, I'd love to star in King Kong Lives so I could see it, so I could know what this fucking movie's about. But it's going to be Terminator. And then, yeah, I think I'm trashing Dante's Peak because I haven't revisited Volcano yet. But I remember liking it better than Dante's Peak. So I'm trashing Dante's Peak. And I am giving Michael Bay King Kong lives. Uh, I'm curious why neither of you guys wanted the Arnold role for yourself, A. And B, I'm kind of like, if George Clooney were the PA, that would explain why the guy was so excited to get some goddamn coffee. <laughs> like, if George Clooney showed up and was like, would you like this coffee? Like, don't you think your response would be like, coffee, 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 coffee. Coffee, like, just- coffee. <laughs> He does those commercials for the... Yeah, Nespresso. Nespresso, yeah. 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 Maybe it's because it's harkening back to his PA days. <laughs> Maybe. Also, I find it funny that we're continually talking about George Clooney on our fraternal twin films, even though he has not been in either one of these two pairings. That, that's just Clooney being Clooney, man. Yeah, it's just Clooney being... He just finds a way. He just comes up in disaster films. Yep. All right, guys, I think we have time for one more Trash Star Destroy. So let's do uh, one that we call Small Towns. Of course, if you don't know, if if we didn't put it in the trailer, uh, Dante's Peak is actually a small town in this movie. Uh, one of America's most livable towns, if you can Second believe most. it. Second most. Compared Second to some most. shithole in Montana. Under 20,000 population. Uh, so let's talk about Pleasantville. Oh, what a good movie. Scotland, PA. The retelling of Macbeth through a uh, white trash lens in Pennsylvania, starring Christopher Walken. Highly recommend. And the third movie we'll do is the Mike Myers championed hockey classic, Mystery Alaska, with Russell Crowe. Pleasantville, Scotland, PA, Mystery Alaska. Trash Star Destroy. I haven't seen Pleasantville in a Pleasantville in a long time. I remember liking it a lot. I don't know if it holds up. I truly don't. But I'm going to star in that. Um, I don't know, Toby Maguire role. I mean, I get that prick out of the movie, so that would be a benefit. <laughs> Wait, is he uh, bad, dude? He sucked. I've heard he. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I've heard he's not. He's the Michael I mean, he Sarah character Posse. in um, uh, what's her name? Claire's game. What's her name? Molly's, Molly's game. game. It's kind of a known thing that that guy's an asshole. I mean, he was okay. part of the pussy posse and yeah. yeah. Goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. With DiCaprio. Oh boy. Oh boy. The nineties. But anyway, I'm going to start in Pleasantville. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'll take the Tobe Maguire role. I'm trying to think of like who Reese Witherspoon dates in that movie. Cause I will Paul always Walker. have a crush on 
Reese Witherspoon. Is that Paul Walker in that movie? I believe so, because I just watched the trailer and I was like, I think I know those dulcet tones. Oh, I think then I'll is. take the Paul. Yeah. Oh, then I'll take. Wow. I didn't realize he was in that movie. Uh, then I'll take the Paul Walker role. That's fine. Um, I haven't seen Scotland, PA. I didn't really even know that existed until recently. And now I am very interested to watch it. But I think that should be trashed, unfortunately. I don't know how Bay would handle something like that. That seems crazy. And Mystery Alaska is at least about hockey. I mean, that's, you know, people hurting each other is up Bay, is in Bay's wheelhouse. So it feels like that makes the most sense. All right. Regina? Almost exactly the same as Brad in terms of relationships to this movies. I saw Pleasantville when it came out. I remember it being like a movie that I watched like with my family and that people were like, wow, this is good. But just watching the trailer, because that that was what I'm basing all these choices on. I watched the trailer for all three of these movies because I did, have not seen the other two. I am very curious if it holds up or not. So um, so I was Come on, nervous about that. Come on, sex color to your life? That's still relevant today. <laughs> sure but i was like boy that town is black and white isn't it um yeah so just you know question yeah um scotland pa i'd never heard of um and i like other shakespeare made into modern movies like uh she's the man etc you know the most famous oh yeah of course yeah the big one of course the big one yes yes um i have excellent i was at theater school Uh, with both of you and you neither one of you have seen this movie (laughs) Scotland, PA. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my we friend. We failed you yet again. A little Chris. bit. It's all right. I'll forgive it. <laughs> and so, Mystery Alaska. I honestly like when I saw the name. I was like, "Is I thought this was like maybe a movie about a seal, but I think that movie was Andre that I was thinking of." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. I think you're right. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So I was like, "Hockey? What does this have to do with a small girl in nature?" Um, and then I saw Russell Crowe, and I was like, Ugh, "I don't like sports movie. I don't like that guy." But then Miles O'Brien from Deep Space Nine shows up, and I was like, "I do like him." And I think Deep Space Nine had just finished by the time this movie was out, so I'm kind of like, maybe it would be fun to be in a movie with him. But again, just going off the trailer, there were only two women, one of whom hit a man with a shovel, and the other one was kind of like, let's have sex. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the only thing women in this movie do. So I'm going right. to I'm gonna delete that one from history. Goodbye, mystery. Alaska, may we never find you. <laughs> and I'm going to give Scotland PA to Michael Bay because let's see him stretch himself. <laughs> I would not mind seeing Michael Bay do a Shakespeare adaptation, especially that would be fun. Beth. Yeah, with Christopher Walken, like, imagine the arguments those men are going to have. And, like, I'm oh, sorry to everyone on that's set, a movie. but, like, they're going to be mad, and I'm fine with that. So I guess I'm going to star in Pleasantville, but, like, admittedly, like, I'm not the right, like, I'm, I would not be right to replace Reese Witherspoon in that. Like, I remember her being very good. And then I was like, maybe uh, the lady, um, I forget her name, but she's married to William H. Macy in that movie. Joan Allen. And I was like, that could be fun. But I remember it being very dramatic because she, like, I don't know, discovers a lot about herself. And I'm like, I'm not Mm -hmm. a dramatic actress. So I think once again, I'm going to go costume route and be like, I'll be one of the friendly high school friends uh, in a cool costume. Because I just I just don't remember it enough to, like, take a meaty role. Joan Allen has, like, an affair with Jeff Daniels. And after she has sex, she starts seeing color. And then William H. Macy's appalled that his wife is now in color. Yeah. I just don't think I could say with a straight face, like, I don't want it to go away. And like, she does. And it's very yeah, good. Yeah. But I would just be like making dumb faces. So I, I couldn't do it to that right. potentially good, potentially bad movie. 
That's good. I, I think you could do a Reese Witherspoon. I, I mean, I, I think it'd be a different movie, but I think you could play that part very well. And I think it still comes off as a cool, cool movie. I remember Joan Allen being really good in that movie. Oh, I remember yeah, that's, she, was she might be the best. Really, yeah, that's kind of how I remember it. That's the thing I remember the most is the like her wiping her cheek, like the makeup off of it. Um, that's right. all I remember. Well, guys, I'm starring in Scotland, PA. I'm taking Macbeth for myself. If I were a younger man, I'd probably be kicking old Tobes out of Pleasantville. But alas, the years have made me into a Macbeth. So I'm going to do this cool indie movie that everyone should watch. And I am acting against Christopher Walken. That's cool. That's fair. I want to, I again, Brad, I think you, you hit it on the head. I think Michael Bay doing a Russell Crowe hockey movie is really interesting. But I even got to push him the other way and kind of box him in. I want him to do Pleasantville. I want to see... Oh. I want to see him have to restrain himself and do a 50s, you know, leave it to Beaver show that explodes into the real world. Uh, so Michael I Bay's like Pleasant we all went different things for him. And trashing Mystery Alaska. Me too. That's, you know, we just want him to have endless projects so that we can <laughs> watch and critique with a trained Dissect. eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's Trash to Destroy for another week. Thanks for playing. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more High on Film, more Regina Connolly, and a lot more Dante's Peak right after this. Did you know Newman's Own gives 100% of their profits to charity? That's the way Paul Newman wanted it, and, well, he gets it. So every time you crack open a bottle of their organic olive oil, basil, and garlic pasta sauce, your money goes to causes like children, veterans, and puppies and kitty cats around the world. Now see the movie that paid for it all when time ran out. A contractually obliged Paul Newman leads a star-studded cast through the perils of an erupting volcano in a film that ushered in the end of the 70s disaster flick. Jacqueline Bissett. William Holden, Pat Morita, Ernest Borgnine, Burgess Meredith, and Paul Newman. Caught in a game of power, playing time 24 hours, prizes untold wealth, rules none. When time ran out. Welcome back to High On Film. We're talking the first of two volcano movies this week, Dante's Peak. A lovely mountain view town next to a dormant volcano until one day that volcano is not so dormant anymore. <laughs> We're going to talk about the best and the worst this movie has to offer and ranking those aspects. We'll, we'll just say scenes as a, as a umbrella word for that. And of course, we're an optimistic podcast, if you didn't know that already. So we're going to start off optimistically with... Best scene. What are our three best scenes in Dante's Peak? Starting at the bottom, number three. I think for me, number three is close to the very end, the collapsing of the car with Pierce Brosnan in it trying to get to the transmitter. Oh. I'm kind of going to, this kind of goes in with like kind of a, a lot of what I liked about this movie, but I thought that after everything, um, these huge explosions huge you know lava streaming down the mountain to then kind of end the movie getting trapped in a mine shaft or whatever that is and then for him to have to turn on this transmitter which like the fact that he 
kind of forgot that was a little silly, but thank God for NASA. <laughs> Great line. <laughs> um, kind of. Kind but, of. But uh, <laughs> nobody wanted that role. Nobody <laughs> wanted that role. But I think for the movie to end, like in a mine shaft, now in such a claustrophobic environment, after we were dealing with these huge elements, for it now to be all crashing down on him like this in this kind of slow, painful, uh, you know, watch of will he make it or not, which, you know, you assume he probably will. But I thought it was a great way to end the movie of kind of bringing it all now down to this very micro level. Um, and it, it's a good, you know, uh, stress of a scene of will he get there or not, which this movie does pretty well overall, I think, actually, is kind of the suspense and tension found in these scenes is, you know, it's not amazing. It's not like, oh my God, that's so brilliant, but it, it it's uh, succeeding at what it's trying to do. Yeah, it's one of my favorite and I guess almost least favorite, but hilarious parts of this is I love how it move. It does move very well from one action set piece to another action set piece, but so many of them are volcano adjacent, and very few of them are volcano direct, and that makes me laugh mm. so hard. Um, <laughs> I think like many of the action sequences are. What happens if I drive straight? <laughs> yeah, also, <laughs> like it's like I'm driving through a river. I'm driving through lava, and even like driving in the mine shaft. I'm like, I mean, look, I found those sequences tense, but also try turning. I don't know. <laughs> a third of the action set pieces are the car gets stuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Regina, I what's your number? Uh, my number three is another <laughs> point A to point B moment of the movie. It is when Grandma Ruth uh, jumps out of a boat melting uh, in acid and walks them to shore. Uh-huh. Uh, because admittedly, this is the only part of the movie that I remembered from having seen it as a kid. And like, yes. and I didn't fully remember it, but the moment they got in the, the boat, I was like, Ruth is going to die. And Bob was like, why would you say that? I was like, mm, it's coming. And so I just think that one of the things that I liked about this movie, not to jump ahead to next week's podcast, but I think this movie is more successful at grounding the terror of what's happening in individual people's lives. Whereas I think Volcano is like much more scattershot of like the whole city. And then it just like fails to really have any feelings. And so I think like it's obviously very melodramatic and but like the the relationship between the family and like that you kind of get a little bit of a sense of how each person is different. So when she does that, I feel like it really sticks with you. And also to some extent, like not that I think it's her just desserts because it's her fault that they're there. But like, I mean, she did bear some responsibility. Um, But I just I think that scene is very sad and everyone like freaking out about it is like successfully done. Um. So I like I hate to be like one of the best scenes is an old woman being burned alive, but like yeah, it was. I no, let me actually jump in here because a I'm just gonna say it now. This is my number one scene in the movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so it. if if we're on it anyway, uh, so this is also I remembered two things about this movie for sure, and the second the the second one is Paul's comeuppance. Which is also the same thing where it's like uh, you, you kind of everything I want to talk about immediately. I love it. Okay, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, so his, so the fact that Ruth and Paul are both like the idiots in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Ruth's yeah, the up. kid's grandmother, and Linda Hamilton's uh, mother-in-law, and Paul is Pierce Brosnan's boss. 
who's the mayor from Jaws, essentially. Like, oh, we have a lot to say about Ruth and Dreyfus. Yeah, I just wanted yes. to set the set the stage for those who may not be familiar. Right, but I will say the scene in the boat with the fish turning up dead and them coming across and then starting to sing row 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 your boat as they're just slowly going through the, the water volcano I, I think... has turned the lake to acid for yes. some reason yes and killed Which all the fish awesome. yeah, yeah i mean it's literally like when you're kids and it's like you're you know you're playing on the bed and it's like oh if you fall off the bed it's acid down there or it's lava both are in play here it's a kid's dream come true <laughs> for playing games and you're going across in this boat that's now like literally <laughs> deteriorating underneath you. It is, I really think it is a great uh, suspense scene. And then yeah. the grandmother sacrificing herself because she's the one that was up there, getting out of the boat mm-hmm. and just dragging them to shore and then running up to shore, not getting on the dock, mind you. No, no. Not taking the shortest point from point A to point B. She's screaming as she's wading through this water coming to shore. It is. We we were talking texting a little bit, Chris, about the campiness of this movie. Yes. It is it, it checks the boxes of like great suspense and great camp all in one scene. And yeah. that is why to me it is the best scene. And the one scene I remembered the main scene I remembered from this movie from years oh, yeah. ago. Yeah, I feel like especially like when you're a kid, like that's the scene where it's like the highest drama and the most like I like it is like a game that you would play, but also it is a shocking end result. And she doesn't die then. They like drag her around for a bit so they can lay her all night until morning. They're carrying her corpse around. And then she's like, you know what? Let me just die. She's like, I want eight hours earlier. She's like, I want everyone to look me in the eye. I want to say the word fool at least seven times. And then I would like to pass away on my mountain. And she does. And you know what? I teared up. Okay. I was sad for Ruth. (laughs) Sure, it's an emotional scene. They, it's played uh, well. I've got it's a heart in my body. To... I'm not going to not be sad about Ruth. The only thing we didn't mention about this scene that I want to bring up is that before she jumps in the lake, Pierce Brosnan wraps his suit jacket around his hand and starts to row himself with it because their engine has been eaten by acid, of course. Uh, but I legitimately guffawed when the grandmother got into the lake and started watching oh. the boat. I laughed so hard because the camp value of this movie is perfect i was waiting for it the whole time i was like she's holding linda hamilton's daughter and i'm just waiting for her to let go of that daughter and hop in the water and just start wading through it yeah with that acid just burning her legs it's great well this is great for my number three because it is the hot tub scene the harbinger of doom with the two teens deciding to have sex in a hot spring and then suddenly lava just boils up so quickly that it kills that boils them alive in this hot spring and it is just peak horror trope perfection for uh, which I, I wasn't yes. really expecting in an, in a disaster movie like this that they would have these these horror tropes and they execute them very well, albeit uh, incredibly campy. But again, with my 2021 lens here, I love it all the more. I I, I ate the camp up with a big old spoon. So yeah, and also it's not just that they're boning in the hot spring; it's that they're big city kids in this small town. So I was like, they're getting killed for two reasons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They have lots of sins to pay for. Yeah. God, they're immoral. <laughs> yeah. Let's see their butts later, and we do. Mm-hmm. And some side and some side boob. 
<laughs> well, sure, it's 97. Yeah, yeah. 97, you're, you're getting some side. Yep. All right, guys, number two, best scene. What do we got? For me, number two is the the volcano, the volcano, the volcanic eruption, and then uh, yeah, uh, and then just kind of the disaster of it all. I think it looks for nineteen ninety seven. I think it all looks pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Uh, The bridges collapsing, um, car crashes, uh, that the whole helicopter scene of them like taking off and not realizing like you can't leave oh, yeah. in a volcano it's like hey i get it if i was there i'd be like hey i'm getting in a helicopter let's fly out of this shit it takes too um, much ash i hope you have a lot of which, cash on you because that pilot had a three-point story plot line <laughs> yeah i love the, the helicopter pilot just being disgruntled with his job and just wanting more money <laughs> gotta pay me overtime i'm working through lunch yeah, this movie is against negotiating for your salary. Oh, it's so bad as far as labor rules. <laughs> um, that I did laugh out loud at that. Um, and also, yeah, I, I just think it all looks pretty good uh, yeah. as far as the disaster and the suspense around it and the chaos that they create of like a stampede. It's it plays really well and it looks pretty good. I I was pretty impressed actually. Uh, I'll hop on here with my two, actually, because it's a little uh, uh, related. Um, Mine is the freeway bridges cracking and the cars falling through in the earthquake tremors of the volcano erupting. Because that, while I didn't fear volcanoes growing up in Pennsylvania, now that I live in (laughs) Los Angeles, an earthquake cracking these enormously high freeway bridges is a real fear of mine. And man, watching it happen is pretty terrifying and looks great it like looks great special effects it really did they do a good job of mixing early cgi with practical effects and the movie looks really good yep. yeah yeah that was the thing i was most impressed with how good it actually looked yeah yeah regina um brad you're you're just you're taking things just right out of my mouth and putting them in a different order but my number two is pierce <laughs> brosnan in the car collapsing um oh, for similar reasons cool. like uh I thought that the the juxtaposition of like this broad scope of terror and then the like the loneliness of a single person in a collapsing space. And I think the way that it was paced uh, wouldn't be how it was done today. Like it was it was stretched out. It was sort of like this came down and then this came down and like he had a bone sticking out of him. Like I felt oh, like yeah, whoo, arm that, compound fracture. Whoo, and the camera lingered and the like subsurface mm-hmm. scattering. Like you could see light through that bone. I was like Jesus. But uh, just him being in in the car uh, collapsing, and I just felt like you could see it written on his face where he was like why didn't I just turn this on the moment I picked it up? Why did I, why did I wait? I mean, a, in any case, but I just, I thought that scene was like, I wasn't expecting it. And it was a surprise given like the, you know, like, I, like the volcano stuff was more expected, but this, I was like, it was, I thought it was well done. I mean, I knew yeah. as soon as you saw the kid go in the mine, I was like, this is coming back later because it's a hundred percent a movie that does that. But I just, I thought that scene was like legitimately sweat inducing. And yeah, honestly, the even patience, the patience, sorry, real quick, the patience with it, you're so right that they had and just kind of letting that play out made it all work so much better. And honestly, even if Pierce turned the machine on right away, 
they still don't notice it for quote a day or two. A well, day now or now you're getting two. into my worst scenes. Oh. Now you're getting into my worst scenes. Yes, oh, we have things to discuss God. about. That. All right, all right. Well, then that's all. I'll I'll leave that in to, uh, to I'll let that be for now. Uh, so let's get into number one best scene because clearly I think we all have a lot of things to talk about for for worst scene. Brad, we covered yours. I'm going to jump in because you got because again I'm like Brad, you've already said the things that I'm going to say. But the <laughs> the my best scene is when it like fully explodes and the like clouds like come through town and everything gets destroyed. Like this movie really, I think. Um, the, like the miniature work is so cool and like knowing mm-hmm. that like a lot of it is is that and like how they did it like I think it, it genuinely still looks really good um and I just think like just like the color of that scene um and the, I mean it's a little goofy mm-hmm. when like Linda Hamilton is like looking in the window and you see her like face reflected like it's a music video and she's sad um but other <laughs> than that I think the effects are like super good and that's like I just feel like that shot encapsulates like the whole scenes. There were so many of them. There was like three yeah. of them where Melinda Hamilton's yeah. reflection is watching the volcano in the window. It's There's a lot funny. of rule of threes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a thing that I liked about like the full explosion scene is like the thing that like just made me grapple with like the technology that they had to make that is like right before it happens, Pierce Brosnan like pokes at a monitor that has like a simulation of what's going to happen. And there's like six junky red arrows, like in Microsoft paint coming out of like a triangle. And I was like, that's the kind of computers they were working with to make what we're about to see. And what we're about to see is really good. So that's, that's the number one for me. Nice. Um, Mine we hit on a little bit earlier. It's, it's a small moment. Well, I'll extend it a little bit. But it's uh, it's when the lava actually breaks through the wall at Ruth's house, the grandmother's mm. house, when they all reach there. I mm-hmm. mean, when I said that all the action here is almost volcano adjacent, that's almost my one problem with this movie, is I want more volcano terror. But they do it, they do, you know, a big scene right in the very beginning to kill Pierce Brosnan's fiance, wife? Girlfriend. girlfriend. Love. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, and I don't... I, so it's, we can't love engaged. with a capital T and L. True love, yes, exactly. Yes, yes but yes. we can't double down well, on that. But finally, when the lava breaks through Ruth's house after a moment of like quiet and 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 like peace, it looks so good. And it's coming, you know, slowly but fast enough that they have to quickly evacuate. And then they get in the car. And then the best car stuck scene, I think, is when they're trying to drive over the semi-dried lava, but it's slowly melting the tires. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Really suspenseful. I was like, I mean, dumb move, but what else are you going to do? Like, you have to take your chances. And it's it's a really good conundrum. And I, I'm just saying this is what I'm here for. Lord of the yeah. Rings, Return of the King can devote 45 minutes to volcano terror, all about lava and stuff. And this movie gives so little volcano terror to us. Just like Acid Lake stuff and earthquakes. Yeah. I kind of like that it gives it variety because it feels like it's easy to just have lava chasing you the whole time. I like that they set up these different scenarios. Not the whole time. That, like, just more. Just more. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I, I like, like the minimalist ending. Sorry. I, I do like the minimalist ending of being like crushed in the mine shaft and just like just having to hit a switch. I think that's pretty brilliant for a enormous big budget uh, disaster film almost don't want to say this because i'm probably wrong and i'm gonna sound like an idiot but my memory is that like this was like is this like accurate about like what volcanoes actually do in terms of like the the pre-stages of like all the like the ash or like the this or that and that it isn't always like 
fast flowing lava. You may have to cut this out so I don't sound like a total moron. But I thought the like acid <laughs> lake stuff and the like the intermittent things that are happening in like the long time span was maybe more accurate, but I don't actually know. But a thing like that for me it was it's not, not the, all Pompeii where it just freezes everybody in place. Yeah, it doesn't just like flow down the sides. It's like yeah. I don't know. Anyway, just take that out. It's probably me being wrong, but that's just my <laughs> I, th- I think no is this we're running along anyway. Lot- I'm gonna have to cut something. <laughs> there's a lot of reality in Dante's peak is what I want to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's it, man. I just I, I thought the lava was cool and that's what I was here for. Like that very yeah. first scene, the lava bursting through Ruth's house. I, I wanted just a little bit more of that. If there's a best scene, that must mean there's a worst scene. What are our bottom three scenes of Dante's Peak? Starting slightly above rock bottom at number three. What do we got? I will start this because we started to touch on it. <laughs> the light blinking at this transmitter that they should know <laughs> transmitter. That, Na- that NASA, like they're literally like, it's a thing NASA developed. And you would think if you're working in this kind of, these kind of circumstances, that the thing you have from NASA that might be the one thing people can use to find you or, or to find them is the one thing you would just be staring at nonstop once you were to safety. And the fact that they come in and they're like, how long has this been blinking? A day or two. Like, they might all be dead by then. Like, they're not. But realistically speaking, and he's like celebrating, but it's like, if one of them's bleeding, now they've probably bled out. Because they you didn't see the one thing. The blinking for a day or two. I was surprised they didn't eat the dog. Like, it's been a long time. I I was floored when they said a day or two. I was thinking he was going to say like, a couple hours and to me that would have been egregious that how have you not been doing this for a couple hours but a day or two blew my mind i liked it because i feel like it's more realistic but it's still ridiculous i also liked it because i was like i mean they're probably busy there's a lot of data to look at a volcano (laughs) just erupted also like their friends died they're not at their best but for me but wouldn't you be looking for them wouldn't you be looking for the any remaining possibilities of friends wouldn't that be your full Full focus. My full focus would be like, are there survivors? To be fair, Terry is the only one who really knows about the NASA thing because he's the one who takes it off to make it lighter, remember? So Uh, the rest of them don't really know what it's about other than Pierce and Paul. What's that? It does have a name. Its name is Elf. Let's not forget. Oh, yeah. Elf, Elf. I'm just saying, if I see a blinking light, I'm asking questions. I'm asking questions if there's a blinking light that says incoming. It literally says incoming. I also like that you're mad at them for not looking at the light, but not mad at Pierce Brosnan for being like, I have a transmitter. I'll get to it in a bit. Also, I've I'm forgotten it very in the car. Uh, very mad at him for that. Also, NASA, why do you care about volcanoes? Are you looking for stars in there? Like, why Why are they involved? It's, it's sky stuff. Yeah. And it's a locator, all right? right? right. So they no for the Hubble. I don't know. So I couldn't tell when it took two days if it was supposed to be funny because it felt like the movie was kind of ending on a like, isn't it wacky that it took two days? Not that it would be a horrific, like you said, like compound fracture, yeah. not being able to move yeah. like he'd be covered Young in his children. own waist, like super dehydrated. But he's waltzing out of there. There's no paramedics. They're like, let this man walk by himself. He's fine. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe he wasn't on a stretcher. Couldn't believe it. 
I couldn't yeah. believe he was wearing the same pants when he went in. Like, come on, man is dirty. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But so when he comes out and like, they must be deeply disgusting. And he's like, the kids are still in there. No one else seems to care that the kids are there, but they go no. and they find them. Then him and Linda Hamilton kiss. And there's an extra in the background clapping like his life depends on it. And I almost put that as my number one scene because this guy like shaking his head and going to town like they love each other is truly the funniest thing in the whole movie. <laughs> the mayor's getting some finally. Hell yeah. She's been lonely for six years. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of her kids. Yeah. I, the daughter, I think, is fun and precocious. The son is a they clearly just couldn't get Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I thought that was I know, him right? for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really looks like him. This movie would have benefited if they would have gotten Joseph Gordon Levitt for that guy. Of course it would have. Yeah. Come That's on. That's true for every movie. Come on. Oh, Basically. Maybe. Maybe. But my number three is that uh, it deals with Lauren. Uh, dominoes are not a trick, Lauren. <laughs> Okay. I'm laughing so hard because Bob Brosnan. said the exact same thing. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan just pushes over a pathetic little spiral, like two concentric spiral of dominoes that just topple one another. And she says, oh my God, what a cool trick. What other tricks do you have? And I was just like, that is not a trick. That is nothing. That is so dumb. And like, come on, Lauren, grow up. All right. <laughs> You're about to navigate your brother driving a car. Like, we can. How did you feel about his subsequent trick? Uh, better. That's that's something I think you do more to impress kids than just knocking over dominoes. (laughs) Harry Pierce, come on, bro. You try to get laid. You got to impress the kids a little better than this. Kids are stupid. Kids are stupid. That's true. Is that all for number three? No, uh, my number three is wrapped up in one of my top scenes. I hate when they start singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat. I hate it. I hate it so much. Just stop, all of you. Like, the more my you sing, the more number acid and one. <laughs> That's uh, your number yeah. one. <laughs> my number one is row, that- row, Row Your Boat in a round in the middle of a fucking acid lake trying to make everything better. I oh. hated it. I mean, I at least understand it as a distraction, like an attempt at a distraction with kids. It plays a lot better if those kids were like five and seven. Yes. Agreed. But 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 no, your point's taken. Your point's very well taken. The the opening sequence where we meet the mayor is the daughter being like, I'm so put together. I know everything my mom needs. And then the rest of the movie, her entire dialogue consists of, mommy, are we going to be okay? To which Linda Hamilton says, we are, which is, I guess, true, but not in the moment. But I'm just kind of like, she seems too smart in the beginning to be like, ah, Harmony, I feel better about this horrific situation. It's like, just don't sing. Please don't sing. That, I don't. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. That's a really good point about the beginning, because she's like more put together than Linda Hamilton is. She's telling Linda Hamilton where her jacket is or whatever. That's why you yeah. that immediately goes away. You're right. When they strike off to save their grandmother on themselves and like steal cool. the car, like. Well, we'll get into that. All right. Well, please. Number two. We're seen. Uh, the whole reaction after they find the sulfur in the water is. Okay. A, they don't evacuate <laughs> the town immediately. Yeah. Okay. This is kind of into my number two, too. Okay. Yeah. So this, they don't evacuate the town immediately. They're planning a 
you know, a town meeting that's not even like, hey, we immediately need a town meeting. It's like 6 p.m. tonight, town meeting about evacuating the city with an active volcano. And then Linda Hamilton and Pierce Brosnan go to said meeting and leave the kids behind. Yeah. Inexplicably. Like there is an active volcano and your kids are just, you're just leaving them home alone. They also when your cast, son's already shown that he's like super irresponsible. They cast a babysitter in this movie and we watch Linda Hamilton pay her. Just call the babysitter. Why are they alone? They're very small children. Don't yeah, abandon your kids when a volcano is on the verge I'm of erupting. Like, if a volcano is about to erupt and I have children, I'm, those are like the only people that aren't leaving my side. I'm and not like, going to the town meeting. We're getting out of town. We're getting the fuck out of town. Also, she leaves them to pack, and I'm like, do you trust that they're going to bring the most important things? Like, you don't let your six-year-old pack for your, like, emergency fleeing the house is going to burn down. You just buy them new small clothes. Yeah. Just get the hell out of there. Yeah. I'm jumping on this, too, because, like, Paul, Pierce Brosnan's boss, asking Pierce Brosnan, Harry, to go check this out, this town out for this this volcano, and then not taking any recommendation he says even though he confirms that harry is his best man that he has but like continually being the mayor from jaws who's like no no we can't hurt the tourism because a volcano we don't want to make it wrong i i I called a town wrong once and it killed their tourism industry is just the amount of times you know i'll believe it except the amount of times they repeat it in this movie is just mind-numbingly dumb it's 10 times in the first 45 minutes being like nope we're not closing the town nope we can't close the town nope don't you dare close the town tourism matters and it drove me insane just like that that's it that's that's my number two i did want to hop in here because and i don't know that is my number one Mm. actually is paul (gasps) His well, whole that that whole bit that Chris just said the fact that he's on vacation he oh, pulls him off not vacation. On vacation yeah 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 no no he also pulls, love he the trope that Harry. Pierce Brosnan is on vacation this whole movie <laughs> sure but he's on it's, vacation pulls him out of vacation sends him to a place then doesn't believe him when he tells him something's wrong and then at a certain point sends him on vacation again <laughs> yeah. sends him back to vacation and when he said take a vacation I lost my like kind of in a fun way because i was like i can't believe you just sent him back on vacation that the the whole paul thing of not believing him and not after he sent him here and after all the signs point to it now people are turning up dead in the from being burned by you know the rocks like no it's just it's a thing then there's um uh oh they they're trying to fix the machine and they fall down because the whole mountain shakes. They don't do anything then. Like the amount of times that they have the opportunity to get people out of town and don't is literally like that guy should go to jail. Paul should go to jail. Yeah. I don't so want to take this too one. far Jumping from ahead. top three worst, but I feel like I have to speak up because I have written in all caps in my notes. Paul's not wrong because I'm sorry, but Pierce Brosnan sure. comes to town and essentially licks his finger, puts it in the air and is like, I think there's trouble here. He doesn't do science. And like, look, I'm, look, 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 look. I'm just like, Paul being like, get, let us get some information. This man is like, I picked up a rock. And I know there are two dead teenagers, but they could have died yes. from lust. You know? Uh, okay, <laughs> sure. Once, once no, you I'm have just... the dead teenagers and once you have like the, the, 
volcano like or you know shaking yes. enough to like knock him down at that point Look, I, I think Paul's being ridiculous I agree with you when Paul Pierce Brosnan just like calls a town meeting and he yes. shows up and he's like what are you doing that is a jump that is like okay now you're jumping to conclusions and not running that by your boss which like I'm just saying in these situations usually you got to run shit like that up the ladder it's true. And also, I think that there is a consequence to Pierce Brosnan being like, we have to evacuate the town. And then people leave and then nothing happens for like a week or two. And then everyone comes back and then he says it again. And like, people don't listen. I'm not saying Paul's right. the hero of the movie, but I actually kind of like that Paul is the villain. If if he is, if he is, we're not all in agreement about this. But I thought that some of his points were kind of like, you're not paying attention to everything. We know you're sad about your true love. But also like, if Pierce Brosnan had done more science, but he literally like, he... He jiggled some rocks and he put some water in a cup and he was like, mm, things are bad. <laughs> and I know those people are dead and that is rough. That's um, movie science. But Regina, he's his best guy. He's, he's his best, best guy. guy. That's true. That's true. And look, and because it was his best guy, he said he would do it two days. He stayed a full week. And he was kind of a dick from time to time. But when he was on the bridge getting washed away, he was like, this is my bed. And like, you know, he had a journey. It's true. And he- I remember that moment too. When I turned on this movie, I was like, oh, right. I remember when this motherfucker dies. He has the so- best face awaiting death than almost anyone I've ever seen in a movie. I'm just like looking at them being like, well, here I go. This is it for me. It's really funny. Well, also because I'm like, not only did he not listen to his best guy, but there are two Humvees and he's like, I'm going to take the rear wheel drive van and do that instead. Like, why is my man by himself in the shittiest van? And why is the van at the back be between the Humvees? Anyway, he's not 100% wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sorry to take us down. No, it's good. Good. It's good. We we, we should have this discourse about Paul. I'm glad we talked about Paul this much because I was going to bring it up as my number one anyway. So it was going to happen regardless. Right. Okay. Regina, have we Uh, gotten to your number two? No, we have not. (laughs) I'm all done. I've done all mine. So I'm good. All right. I got feelings. Number two is the entire opening sequence for several Mm. reasons. Um, Number one, the goal of the opening sequence, I think, is to be like, this is an action movie and here's an intense sequence and we're going to get you into it. That does not happen. It's like, here's a bunch of mud I don't understand and I can't see what's happening. And like in terms of like melodrama, like watching his like his true love be like, I love data. I'm not moving. I'm like, she's a scientist. She's not an idiot. Like, I think she knows it's time to go. Um, and like, see a story to tell someday though. Oh yeah. And then you watch her head get caved in and I'm just kind <laughs> yeah. of like, you don't great. Like if, if that scene could have been more explicit, the- <laughs> just like rips her dress off. What do you mean? more? Explicit? No, no, like <laughs> her head in a little bit. Like, you know, really oh, okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we weren't talking about side more graphics. Was more graphic. More graphic. We're away from the hot spring at this point. We're, we're... That's true. That's true. But I just think that I think that the like if that scene is not in the movie, and then we hear Pierce Brosnan like sipping coffee and being like, "I, I loved a woman and she's dead," we would know just as much. Um, and we got that those push-ups were sad, like without the previous uh, yeah. clip. Like I didn't need that extra stuff to know that like that man was struggling. Um, and I just don't think it's like a very good action sequence. So I'm like, it both doesn't tell you more about the character, and it does not. Like by the time the movie's over, I honestly almost forgot that that ever happened because the other action sequences are so much better. So like, just start small. Um, so I think you can get rid of that whole thing, and the movie is fine. 
Um, and they don't really use it enough. Like, I think they're trying to imply in his relationship with Paul that Paul's like, you're too close to this because you've lost someone. But they don't ever actually go there. Like, Paul just keeps being like, you don't have the science and you don't understand politics. And I think that's enough for Paul. So that's my number two uh, mm-hmm. worst scene. Yeah, it does feel like they tried to be like, we want to have, we want to start this movie in media res because it's a big action picture, but we'll just make it a, a flashback to a different volcano explosion. And yeah, you're right. The 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 fact that it's focusing on the driving more than almost anything and the windshield wipers more than anything makes yeah. it a little boring. And that was like a, I feel like that was a trend around this time of like starting a movie with a tragedy, like cliffhanger, sudden yeah. death. Uh, like, I mean, I know that's kind of a thing still now, but really back then with those action movies, it was like this tragedy that they were now hanging over them and that's dry they're driving force you gotta fridge the wife to make the hero have something to to work for you know gotta you gotta gotta. in in the 90s yeah you had all right all right but i'm just like if you know i don't honestly believe no i know i know if you have seen the great cinema classic sahara the opening sequence of that movie is them like filming a bunch of stuff about this like science team i'm like just do that and then we could know about all these like like volcanologists or whatever that would have been a better opening it, it would have been better to know like how he does what he does like yeah. setting that up more than setting up this tragic event it would have been more interesting yeah all right well how about number one brad we know yours old Done paul <laughs> that prick uh and we know mine too actually i've said mine row 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 your boat oh that's right, <laughs> oh, right. That's right. Did- get 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 the hell out of my movie well, my number one, it was, it was a it was a tight call, one of which is a very short scene and one is a little longer. I almost put Saving Ruffy as my number one. I hated this because yeah, I was like, I hated that pretty too. Dumb. Grandma Ridiculous. just died. And then Pierce Brosnan would be like, we only have one shot at this. I was like, that's true for everything you're doing. Um, so I didn't. But anyway, that's I ultimately I was like, you know what? Fine. Those kids have had a rough time. If they can get their dog back, I'm not going to begrudge it them. And honestly, um, you see your dog standing on top of a car in the middle of a fucking volcano eruption. Yeah. yeah. And we're like, we're going to go right by. We should try to save we the try. dog. Well, we should do the bare minimum. You're going to try to save the dog if he by a miracle shows up. Yeah, it just yeah, seemed yeah. insane that yeah. he showed up. Oh, it's definitely it's not, insane that dog's there. Yeah, and that he's on their straight line path, like that that's <laughs> yeah. what they're doing. <laughs> but my number one, uh, I don't know, I feel like you guys might disagree, but the scene when, I don't even know his name, but the guy who breaks his leg and Pierce Brosnan are like, we're going to use- that's Terry. Terry and spider legs are like checking out the volcano. And Terry is like, I'm going to do everything possible that's stupid in this situation. Like, I'm going to walk down these very fake looking rocks. I'm going to take off my harness. Like, everything he does is stupid. And then when Pierce Brosnan goes down to save him, he's not roped in. He's just casually holding the rope in his arm, like, la, la, la. And he's, like, skipping down the mountain. And it is just very dumb. And I'm like, you guys made a robot. Very cool. It walks in a fun way. Awesome. It's called Spider Legs. This is such good material. And they're like, that's all we're using it for. And I was like, did you not see Twister? This could have been a much bigger part of your movie. Definitely. Totally. So good point. I think that's my number one. Just a lot of wasted opportunity and bad decisions. I don't care for either of those things. There you go. Yeah, it's Kirk Trutner in the role of Terry, by the way. Famous mm. for uh, Must Love Dogs and a few episodes of The Wonder Years. Kirk Trotter. Must, love, must love Dogs fame, of yes. course. As how, He started Must Love Dogs as Deli Guy. Oh, yeah, the deli scene. 
<laughs> okay. Well, that's scene work, guys. Congratulations. We built a hell of a movie there. And now it is time for America's favorite podcast game. That's right. It's time for milking it. We're going to roll out the big computer of Hollywood Ideas 2000, and it's going to supply us with all the information we're going to need for the coming game. It's essentially a Hollywood pitch game. You're going to be supplied with two bits of information. The first bit will be a time limit. You layer up 30 seconds, known as an elevator pitch, one American minute, known as the water cooler pitch, or a minute and a half, known as the executive boardroom pitch, to get across your... Uh, idea for a brand new movie using everything contained in Dante's Peak. Uh, just recombobulated, twisted around, re-energized with some new ideas. Whatever you want to do to change it up here. Uh, we'll need a title and a quick summary from each one of us. One more catch. The computer is going to give us a, uh, a guideline. Sometimes it's a genre. Sometimes it's an actor, a star. Uh, other times it's a director that will be attached to your said project so let's get the computer fired up and see what she has for us today all right okay here we go oh brad you're going up first. You have the elevator pitch. Oh, nice. Okay. And you're going to do Dante's Peak as a courtroom drama. Oh, uh, you know I love a good courtroom drama. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. My cousin Vinny do a few good men. One of your favorite uh, uh, genres. Such a wide range. Regina, you have the water cooler pitch. One American minute for you to do Dante's Peak as, okay, all right, appropriate enough, a slasher flick. Ooh, I feel like we've already begun this movie. I, I feel like we have as well. Lucky you. Uh, <laughs> that leads me leaves me with the boardroom pitch. Oh, and here we go. An idol, an icon, directed by Mr. Mel Brooks. Love it. A, of the Blazing master Saddles of fame. Of Blazing Saddles fame. Master of spoof. We're going to take a few minutes, gather our thoughts, and we'll be right back with you with three brand new movies for your listening enjoyment right after this. And we're back right in the middle of milking it for Dante's Peak. Here we go. Kicking us off today is Brad Davis with the elevator pitch. 30 seconds to get out a new version of Dante's Peak, this time as a courtroom drama. Brad, are you ready? I am ready. All right. The executive of Warner Brothers just stepped on the elevator with you. The doors are closing. Here we go. Three. Two. (laughs) Face ID doesn't work all the time. It's so dumb. Two and a half. I I thought you were doing the Wayne's World thing. Didn't you go? You just went the other way. It should have been one and a half. half. (laughs) One. Go. Okay, so we will watch the court case play out between Harry and Paul, formerly best friends, and now um, have to explain what happened when Dante's Peak blew up and who's to blame for it. 
Um, Rachel is Harry's attorney, and we will show the events that actually happened during Dante's Peak take place in flashback. Uh, we want, we still don't really know who's telling the truth in kind of Rashomon form until Rachel can get Paul to admit on the stand that he hesitated and blew, uh, the whole thing in the Dante defense. Oh yeah. All right. So Paul survives. Yeah. Paul survives. And now is, I mean, the end is him going to jail because of his negligence. Negligence. Thank you. Really have it in for Paul. I like that. Really have it in for Paul. You knew that going into this game, Regina. <laughs> fair deuce, fair deuce. Well, here you go. If you if you feel so bad for Paul, maybe you can give him a better outcome in your you know what? slasher I'm, flick. I'm adding a note. There you go. You got the water cooler pitch. One minute, 60 seconds to get out. Dante's Peak is a slasher flick. Are you ready for this? Oh my God, here he is, the head of Universal. He's coming right up to the, to the glug glug water machine. Here it comes. Ready and go ahead. Oh, Chuck, it's so good to see you. While you're filling up, I just thought I'd fill up your ears with a great idea I had. So I was thinking about Dante's Peak, you know, and like the movie already opens up and it feels like something's bad. We see these dead teens in a pool and you know what that says to me? That says slasher flick. So there's this mountain and it might erupt. And every time the scientist finds like some new evidence that some bad science is about to happen, like the volcano is going to go off. He also finds a dead body. And let me tell you, this movie is chock-a-block with red herrings of people that it could be. It could be Ruth. She doesn't think the mountain's going to hurt you. So like maybe she's going around hurting people to prove that the mountain is safe. We don't know. She's old. She's confusing. It could also be this anti-corporate person in town who's really sad about all the money coming in and how it's going to change the town character. And he wants to say number two, not number one one uh it could be a religious zealot who's like you know what the the mountain is our god and people need to die to bound out before him or what's realistically happening is that uh linda hamilton's ex and pierce browson's ex have gotten together to torture them for their moving oh, on shit. in their life and they're just delivering a lot of dead bodies but i want to assure you that paul survives and he's totally fine in dante's pickaxe <laughs> oh, oh nice. man title wow <laughs> That's one of my favorite Milkinets. That's one of my favorite Milkinets. That was fantastic. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about Paul being alive, but okay. Hey, there, Other could, than be the little Paul... there could be a sequel. Okay, the Paul thing felt a little thrown on at the end, if I'm giving notes. Yeah. Um, feels a little forced in there. Dante I just I X2, Paul gets it right at the top of the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. Here I am. I rode the elevator. I got some water. I'm in the boardroom of MGM. <laughs> Metro Goldwyn Mayer. In All the right. 1920s. Yep, that's right. Here we go. Mel Brooks's Dante's Peak. The quaint town of Eruption Point has prospered quietly for decades until one day, Two city teens decide to smoke drugs and make whoopee at the town's most famous lookout spot. Boom! The dormant volcano erupts, immediately melting the sinning teens and lava slowly starts creeping down the mountain. The whole town, meanwhile, bumbles and blunders in stupidity, each set of characters succumbing to the slow, creeping lava in different ways due to their ineptitude and stubbornness in believing the lava won't get to them. Throw in a couple of hobbits encountering our hero on the mountain top, on the mountainside around the climax, and you've got Mel Brooks' eruption point. 
It's pretty good. Great title. Thank you. Okay, it's nice. I like yeah. that you centered a lot of it on adding the thing that you missed the most about this movie, which is lava. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's it'll be a fun thing for Mel Brooks to play with. You know, you got yeah, like yeah. uh yeah, people running away like like kind of like the Austin Powers getting rolled over by a steamroller. Like everyone dying really slowly and stupidly. Like you could just move, but they're not because of really, you know, shoehorned in reasons. Like, oh, yeah. gotta tie my shoe. And then the lava just slowly. Ah! That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I know the water cooler moment has passed and Chuck is long gone, but I just did want to say that it's important to note that the music playing throughout the trailer for this movie is just a slow, creepy version of Row, Row, Row Your Boat, because that's what movies do these days. Oh, yeah. Definitely for your film, I'll allow that. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank awesome. You. Oh, that's a way better use in this than in this movie. That's a terrific use of that. Row, row, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, for a horror movie? That's fucking great. Well, guys... That's milking it for another week. I think we just sold three movies to big budget Hollywood. Congratulations. I look forward to Netflix, HBO, and Amazon Prime releases. Mm. All three. Unless we can get some A24 money. We'll see. Maybe Regina's. We'll see. (laughs) All right, guys. There's only one last thing to do on the show, and that's Brad Davis. You just watched Dante's Peak. What are you going to do next? Uh, Obviously, we're doing Volcano next week, but... I will say watching, I haven't watched a Linda Hamilton movie, I feel like, in a while. Uh, And I still have to watch Dark Fate. I haven't seen Dark Fate, and with her back in it, uh, you hate it? You hate it, Regina? Kind of. It's not her fault. I mean, I have to see it, though. Yeah, for her, mostly. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm someone who's like, I like Terminator 2. I don't care about the rest of the trappings, but it is nice to see her in it, but it's, uh, if you never see it, you'll be fine. Okay. I I feel like I owe it to her. I feel like I owe it to her to see it. Um, So. She is great. And she's in Chuck too, which I love Chuck and she's great in that show. So it's always nice to see her. Regina Connolly, you just watched Dante's Peak. What are you going to do next? So I'd like to say what I'm going to do next is watch Volcano, but I got mixed up and I already watched it. Um, (laughs) So what I'm going to do next is I'm going to watch Twister because I have not seen that movie in years. And it's like of a piece, I feel like, with these movies. So that that is what I'm going to queue up on the on the DVD player. I do not have a DVD, but (laughs) if my memory serves me correctly, the special effects do not hold up in Twister. No, but Twister is pretty damn good. Yeah, I do like Twister. Quite Come on. Yeah. Look at that cast. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Maybe the first time I ever saw him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all those those Pepsi cans. I mean, great work. All those Pepsi cans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, everyone's favorite star of Twister. This the cow that gets caught in the tornado. (laughs) Yeah. The bell. The one everyone talks about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Chris Maxwell, you just watched Dante's Peak. What are you gonna do next? Oh well. It's something I've done, but what I'm going to do is gonna, I'm going to recommend this to you because I just finished the four movies in the Airport Disaster Series franchise. Airport, Airport 1975, Airport 77, and the Concord Airport 79. And they're okay. Uh, the first two are very dry and, and 70. What a great pitch. I hold love on, the pitch. On, on, you wait, sold wait, them, Chris. Wait, wait. They're, they're lighting up to watch them. They're lighting up. 
four movies. No, no, there... no, no, okay. no. Laying, gla- laying groundwork. I would recommend two of them. I recommend two of them. The first two are very dry and like old school disaster movies that just don't hold up anymore. The second two, Airport 77 and the Concord 70, Airport 79 are both uh, camp masterpieces. Filled with great people. Um, 77 is my favorite, the third one. You have Jack Lemon as one of the main stars. And oh. you get an old uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart. Oh. Like really old as like the off-plane guy who has stake in the airplane. But man, they, with the last two, like I, they almost abide to a Fast and Furious uh, kind of uh, model. Whereas as the films progress, they get wackier and crazier. And while at the time reviewers hated them, the last two are just disaster masterpieces. And I had a lot of fun watching the last two. And George Kennedy is in all four and he's always great. So true. Allow me to just bring those back into the, into the mindset of the high on film community. Skip the first two. You don't need them. And stay tuned for Volcano (laughs) in the very next week. (laughs) Of course. And Heche. Tommy Lee Jones, Brad Davis, Regina Connolly, and I will all return for part two of High on Film Fraternal Twin Volcano Double Feature next week. How about that? Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, anything to plug? Anywhere to check you out? I mean, Regina, you have Theranathon all up there, ready it's to true. go. Keanu Review, you're... Oh, what are you halfway through? A third of the oh, way through? Oh, not even close. We are we oh, are boy. here like <laughs> like fifteen movies into an extensive and beautiful career. But the Theranathon, we have uh, every movie Charlize Theron has ever been in, excluding um, the most recent Fast and the Furious movie, which we're working on recording. Uh, Keanu oh, Review cool. is on a uh, temporary break, but we're coming back soon, so you can listen to old episodes if you'd like, and you can get those wherever you get podcasts. Highly recommend their Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey episode, of course, for no particular reason. We had a very mm. special guest. <laughs> and uh, stay tuned for Speed. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, I'm waiting for the day. I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> Brad Davis, thank you as always, my friend. Thank you, sir, as well. Uh, at BD Always GP on Twitter and Instagram. And as always, please check out Death at Sunset, uh, seasons one and two. Uh, available wherever you listen to podcasts are sunshine noir detective series uh yeah two cases out there for you third one coming at some point in the works nice we will see brad and regina and myself and all of you next week for volcano thank you so much for listening we love you goodbye mrs mayor dr davis thanks for coming This must be your colleague, Dr. Professor Maxwell, Jr. I didn't go to four years of professor school to be called doctor. Very well, Professor. The city thanks you for joining us here at the beautiful and historic La Brea Tar Pits. As I said on the phone, Doctor, the heat index is off the map. The lava meter is about to overflow. And two people who went swimming in the tar pits are now dead. Though we expect that might be unrelated. Any idea what this could mean? It means we have to close down the tar pits and evacuate this whole area. Close down the tar pits? Our smelliest museum? You must be out of your mind. Hey, you called me because you wanted the best. I'm giving it to you straight. If you don't close these tar pits, more people are going to die. An eruption is imminent. I assume you share the same opinion, Professor? 
I'm supposed to be on vacation. What's that? Never mind. We're already too late. Film is a Maxwell Davis Productions podcast. Original music by Zach Pfeiffer. For more information, follow at High on Film on Twitter and Instagram, or email the show at the High on Film Show at gmail.com.